many, many, many of the Saskatchewan, Saskatoon Ukrainians, they invited and helped their family members, their friends to come to arrive in Saskatoon. They opened their houses for them. And you will be surprised how many people who don't have Ukrainian Ukrainian families or friends just they open their houses. Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard belongs to Lyudmyla Pastashenko from the Saskatoon Open Door Society. She is one of the many voices you'll hear as we focus on Ukrainian newcomers in Season 5, Episode 8 of YXC Underground. It has been just over a year since Ukrainians began arriving in Saskatoon, fleeing from war with Russia and arriving with very little to start their new lives in our community. There have been many stories chronicling the efforts of people and organizations to help Ukrainians not only arrive safely, but to set them up for success in Saskatoon, and all are worth celebrating. For this episode, I wanted to highlight the efforts of people you may not know, but their work is helping Ukrainian newcomers find safety and security here in Saskatoon. You are going to meet four amazing people in this episode. We will visit Travis Hominick and Shauna Tilbury at the Saskatoon Public School Division's Newcomer Student Centre. We will find out why Linda Rudicek is working so hard to find affordable housing for Ukrainian families. And we will start the podcast with a trip to the Saskatoon Open Door Society to meet Ludmila Pastashenko. This is a Ukrainian necklace. We call it Gerdan. It's a beaded necklace with um, beautiful flowers on it. It means a lot to me because it was a gift from my sister like 15 years ago. And yeah, it's my pressure necklace. I love it. And you put it on special for this interview. That's right. Why why did you do that? I just like it and um, it makes me pretty. On July 1st, 2007, Ludmila arrived in Saskatoon from her home in southwest Ukraine. She did not speak a word of English and did not have any job prospects, but that did not stop her from volunteering at various organizations and learning the English language. In 2011, she started working at the Saskatoon Open Door Society, an organization that has been supporting refugees and newcomers in Saskatoon for more than 40 years. Ludmila is the team leader for the Settlement and Family Support Unit and has been very busy this past year helping Ukrainians arriving in Saskatoon. She does a wonderful job in our conversation detailing all the different supports Ukrainian newcomers need when they first arrive and clearly her background makes her an incredible first point of contact for newcomers. It also makes talking about the war and the past year difficult and you'll hear Ludmila's emotions come to the surface near the end of our conversation. I want to thank Ludmila for agreeing to be on the podcast, as I do think her work and dedication are worth celebrating. She is kind and compassionate and doing really important work. We sat down in a meeting room on the second floor of the Open Door Society, and I started by asking Ludmila if Ukrainian newcomers are thankful when they come to Saskatoon. Oh yeah, they were so thankful and um they were happy and blessed to be in the peaceful country, in the safe environment where we have no bombing, no mass shooting, no mines in the ground. 
they were telling me that it it feels like in heaven after what they went through even uh, in the first months or two like it's it was different very different and they were so thankful to be here in Canada in Saskatoon and um, just to to have this chance to come to a different country to Canada did they know a lot about Saskatoon before they arrived here no not a lot sometimes nothing sometimes very little unless they have relatives or friends in Saskatoon okay um and I know Saskatoon has a pretty big Ukrainian community too, doesn't it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. But I, I'll I'll ask you about that in a minute. But okay. so when 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 newcomers come from Ukraine, and and they meet with you, like what what is what kind of work do you do with them? Okay. At Open Door Society, we have Ukrainian speaking counselors now six staff, six counselors who are assisting uh, newcomers from Ukraine, uh, people fleeing from Ukraine in their own language, which is an asset. And we provide um, the whole specter of the settlement services, including we assist with applying for a social insurance number, which you need to apply for a job and to get a bank account and so on and so on. Um, also, we assist with applying for the government financial funds, GST. We help to apply for Saskatchewan Health Card to find a family doctor, to find a dentist office, an eye doctor. We tell them, we share the information about walk-in clinics, what is ER room, where the hospital is, what do you do when you are dialing 911, like all those nuances, uh, vaccination clinic. Um, we assist with temporary emergency accommodation for 14 nights for those families or singles who are just arriving in Saskatoon and they don't know anyone in Saskatoon. They have no money to rent uh, an apartment or to go to the hotel room or to find a shelter. So then when they reach out to us, we can find an accommodation for 14 nights for them. But this is emergency accommodation, and there is a process and an eligibility criteria, and it starts from the airport. Yes. So moving on, uh, here at Open Door Society, we also provide information, and we assist with application for affordable housing through Saskatoon Housing Authority. Okay? We provide information and a list of rental agencies in Saskatoon and contact numbers of Ukrainian-speaking staff at the rental agencies. Now, almost each rental agency in Saskatoon has a Ukrainian-speaking staff. Really? <laughs> That's right. Uh, also, um, if needed, we assist with Saskatchewan income support application. And we provide interpretation for the clients uh, to, to communicate with uh, SIS office in, uh, in a daily basis. 
We offer bus tickets to Ukrainians in need when they have no funds even for a bus ticket in the very beginning. And I'm talking about first day, first week in Saskatoon. And later on, we are helping them to apply for discounted bus pass. And in partnership with uh, city of Saskatoon, uh, we have a great um, agreement. We do assist in applying for one year free access to leisure centers in Saskatoon. So this is a great, great partnership with the city of Saskatoon. Also, we help clients to connect with the local Ukrainian community. We refer them to, to the food bank if needed, to the donated furniture warehouse and to Baba's closet. We make referrals to the daycare, to schools, to, um, to the employment counselors. Uh, we connect them with volunteers within Open Door Society and outside of Open Door Society. We connect them and um, help them to, to apply for English test to determine their language level and then to find a link class or ESL class. With Open Door Society, we have two link programs and teachers who are teaching there and teacher assistants. So in two different locations. Also, we have two daycares under Open Door Society where you can uh, find a spot if it's available for the child or twins <laughs> and what else we have a lot of family programs and lately some of the family programs are in Ukrainian language so we don't need to use an interpreter because a counselor or a facilitator of let's say cultural um, bridging or uh, women's creative club or men's support group they all these workers speak ukrainian or russian language so um this is very very huge asset we can we can help our ukrainian clients with translation interpretation and notary public services as well um also, we do make referrals to other settlement agencies and partner organizations in Saskatoon, like IWS, uh, Global Gathering Place, Saskatchewan Intercultural Association, Ukrainian Canadian Congress, and so on and so on. I can continue nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can exhale right now. But I was, gonna, I was just thinking as as you were going through all the. All the different partnerships and and all like you, you are so connected mm -hmm. with the right. with the greater community. Is it, do you like that part of your of your job being connected with so many different parts of the community here in Saskatoon? Yes, I love it, and it's very valuable because um, in Saskatoon uh, we have quite a few settlement agencies, as I have mentioned them, International Women of Saskatoon, Global Gathering Place, Ukrainian-Canadian Congress, Saskatoon Branch, Saskatchewan Intercultural Association, 
and uh, we all work together in supporting Ukrainians. And our partnership is a great collaboration and cooperation between all settlement agencies in Saskatoon. We simply work, work together and help together. So we have meetings monthly, bi-weekly, if needed, quick meetings to discuss something to to support a family in crisis or just a client who need an, a little bit extra help. We can email each other, we can phone each other, and there is always a support, understanding, because we all are doing the same, helping and assisting this category of people, displaced Ukrainians who are fleeing this horrible war. It's is there, and you, and you listed off so many different services that, that you provide and that you work with different community partnerships. I'm wondering, is, is, there, is there one thing that, that you see from, with Ukrainian families that are coming here and Ukrainian people that, that you need to provide them right away? Like, is, is there one thing or maybe a couple main things? <laughs> well, this is an initial settlement. Any newcomer any Ukrainian who is arriving, they need shelter and accommodation. This is number one. They are looking for a job right away. This is number two to find a job, to help them uh, to find a job. And I would say health-related health related issues, if they have any physical, mental uh, illnesses. Uh, this is a huge number three. Need in demand. Um, we we touched on it a, a bit earlier, but the fact that Saskatoon has such a, a and and even the province has such a, a large Ukrainian community has has how has that helped you and and the Open Door Society in in this past year? Oh, we are so blessed that Saskatchewan and Saskatoon uh, we have a large, huge Ukrainian community. Because from the very beginning of this war, during those 13 months, many, many, many of the Saskatchewan, Saskatoon Ukrainians, they invited and helped their family members, their friends to come to arrive in Saskatoon. They opened their houses for them. And you will be surprised how many people who don't have Ukrainian, Ukrainian families or friends just they opened their houses for strangers I, I appreciate you sharing that yes it's 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 yeah it's overwhelming it's isn't it the generosity it's, it's yeah. amazing and like they're, they're helping with initial housing they're just hosting a family or a person and they're giving them rights they're taking them to Service Canada office to the bank to open a bank account. Like they're treating them as their own family. Yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing that. Yes. No, it's all good. <laughs> I'll give you a moment. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, no. 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 You're doing. You're doing amazing. I, I know this is not your cup of tea at all, and you'd much rather be helping Ukrainian families and, and all newcomers as opposed to talking with me on the podcast. But I, I, I do appreciate your time because I think the work that you do is so important. And, and so thank you for, for taking the time. And I just have one more question. Um, 
What, why does this work mean so much to you? Well, when I was a newcomer in Saskatoon, and many, many people were helping my family and me. And I know how important to have a person who can listen and understand your needs, who can advise, provide information, guide you, and connect you with the community and with resources. Right now, I'm helping displaced Ukrainians feeling, uh, fleeing the war and seeking a safe haven. And if I'm able to make a positive change in their stressful life, then it means a lot to me. Working at Saskatoon Open Door Society and assisting newcomers from different countries around the world is the best job, in my humble opinion. Aww. I love that. Thank you for taking the time out to speak with me, and thank you for doing what you what you say is the, is the best job, because it's, it's obvious that you're making a big difference, so thank you. You're very welcome. You're listening to Episode 8, Season 5 of YXC Underground. My name is Eric Anderson, and we are featuring people who have been helping Ukrainian newcomers settle in Saskatoon during the past year. Listen to YXC Underground wherever you find your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Good Pods, or the YXC Underground website. And follow YXC Underground on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. You heard Lumila run through all the things Ukrainian newcomers need when they are settling in Saskatoon. For families with children, one of the biggest items on the to-do list is enrolling in school. And if they are enrolling with the Saskatoon Public School Division, their first stop will be the Newcomer Student Centre. Located at the SPSD Central Office on 21st Street, the centre meets with kindergarten to grade 12 students along with families and helps register students for classes. You will find Travis Homanek at the Newcomer Student Centre. He is an English as an additional language consultant and has been working with dozens of Ukrainian students this past school year. You might also run into Shauna Tilbury at the central office. Now, she was an accomplished EAL teacher for years in the school division and is now the coordinator for learning supports, where she supports classroom EAL teachers and connects with community organizations like the Open Door Society. Both Travis and Shauna were kind enough to speak with me in the Newcomer Student Centre a few weeks ago, and I started by asking Travis what his first conversations with Ukrainian newcomer families are like. So we welcome families in our reception area, and typically um, that involves looking at their immigration documents to begin with. And then from there, we have multiple assessment rooms where we um, give an orientation of schools to families and also do a language assessment with the kids. Wow. So what, what are those first conversations like with the family? And I, and I know that the focus will like for this episode is, is on Ukrainian families. But if I, you know, I think for something like this, like just families in general, what, what are those first conversations like? I think lots of families are a bit nervous about the transition to school. And um, well, I'm blanking here. <laughs> Families are nervous as they transition, so they have, they've done some research in some cases, and so they have some background about school, and then they just have some clarification questions often. Okay. And then you do an assessment as well. What happens in the assessment, Travis? So for the language assessment, we look at a writing sample, uh, speaking, and we also do some math, depending on the student, and reading as well. Okay. Um, what, what has this past year been like in terms of, of Ukrainian students coming uh, to Saskatoon? 
So this year compared to last year, we have about 55 uh, Ukrainian students we've welcomed this year, and that's kindergarten through grade 12. Last year, in looking at the data, we had about uh, 14 students come through our office. Like that's that's a that's a huge increase. What what has that been like for for you and your team, Travis? Well, overall, our office has seen a huge increase, um, not just with Ukrainians, but overall. So during a typical school year, we welcome around a thousand new students from September to June or August to June, I should say. And this year, it's only April, and we're already at almost eighteen hundred students that we've seen through our office. And you still have a couple more <laughs> months to go. <laughs> Aww. Yes, we do. <laughs> what has this year been like for you? It's been very busy. This is also my first year in in this role as well. Um, so working with a new team, new environment, and uh, trying to get students into schools as fast as possible in the best way possible, which has been a big learning curve for me, and also just with the office with adjusting to the pace that we need to work at to get kids into schools. I, I want to ask you a bit about the pace, but um, Shauna, can I ask you, like Travis mentioned, um, finding best fits for, for the students. And, you know, Travis, when you said to like kindergarten to grade 12, like in my mind, like I, I'd sort of forgotten, like it's it's not just certain age groups coming. Like it's it's the whole gamut. So when, when students are coming here, especially from a situation where they're they're fleeing their homes because of, of war, what like can, can you give listeners a sense, Shauna, in terms of what these these kids and families might be going through when, when they step foot here? I think likely they're overwhelmed. Um, there's a lot of information to take in and getting your kids into school is just one piece. So we're pretty careful with how much information we give them because we know that, you know, when your stress levels, levels are high, you don't remember as well either. So I think, you know, generally families are excited to get their kids into school, um, you know, turn over a new leaf, start again, but also a little bit overwhelmed. How, um, like, what, what are some of the questions that families have when they when they come here? Either of you can answer that. Yeah. Some some of the basics, like what does lunchtime look like? What should they bring to school? The school day, what does that look like? Homework, that's a big one. And that's a, a shocker for lots of parents when I say homework will probably be significantly less than what they had in their home country. Usually I see big smiles at that point from lots of families. And I would say, actually, speaking about Ukrainian families, that's been uh, a major thing I've noticed is they have told me they had so much homework in their home country versus here will be a bit of a difference. Not that we don't have homework yeah. in our school division, but it's not assigned every night as something they have to do for hours on end in the evening. Okay. Yeah, I think, too, I think families don't know what they don't know yet. So they may not think to ask questions about things like that because it hasn't occurred to them that our system might be different than where they've come from. Yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned perhaps feeling over overwhelmed, and that I think that's something that everyone can empathize with. Um, how how do you how do you break it down so that families and 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 the kids, whether they're in grade two or going into grade twelve, like how how do you break it down so that it feels a bit more manageable? I would say there's a couple of ways we. You know, we're pretty systematic in the information we give. We give it verbally, and then we provide them with a handout or handouts. Um, and then we also have interpretation services through Open Door sometimes, and that helps. Or people will bring their own family members or a friend to help them, and that helps. Um, so we try to stick to the basics here, but I think we also say, too, you know, if you have this question, follow up at the school, 
occasionally people will reach back out to the newcomer student center and have a question that you know they need follow-up on but yeah for the most part trying to keep it simple for people I would I would agree as well. Even with the language assessment, the one thing I always tell students is it's not a test. It's just a starting place. And keeping in mind students who have been through trauma, refugees. One thing about the Ukrainian students as well that might be interesting is that they are not arriving as refugees. I think some people have that misconception. They've all come through the Canada-Ukraine authorization program. Um, and so they, their parents are coming with work permits, and that's what makes them eligible to be in publicly funded education. So still keeping that in mind, though, they have come from a country with war. And so sometimes that assessment, depending on how things are going, we might scale things back depending on what the student is kind of putting forward. Okay. Is, is that um, – because every, every student's going to be different then. How, it, is it hard from your guys' perspective to get a, a read on a student right away? Depending on the kid. I mean, our, our goal is to get a ballpark um, for a language benchmark. So it's not an exact test that we do. It's just looking at all the skills and to give the teachers a starting place, basically to continue welcoming them into our school division. Yeah. Um, you, you, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that it, it's a little bit different for the Ukrainian students. And yet, um, like, have you noticed, and I know it's your first year, Travis, but have you noticed anything um, that makes these students unique that are that are coming over from Ukraine in terms of of settling into Saskatoon or, or getting getting used to um, you know even thinking about school here in our city? I think in terms of academic skills, there's certainly strong academic skills. And again, I think some people think, oh, if you've come from a country with war, maybe you have missed chunks of school. And some of these students have for sure. Um, many that we've welcomed, welcomed have had a year or so in Poland before coming to Canada. But I certainly see they have strong academic skills. It's just a question of learning English or improving the English that they currently have. Shonda, do you see, what do you see? I was going to say the other thing that makes them unique is um, we've got such a huge Ukrainian population in Saskatchewan, so they have a network that not all refugees or immigrants have access to. So um, they're unique in that way that they've got a really strong network of supports typically. Um, so that's great for them. No kidding. And that must ease the transition, I would guess, a little bit. And I think the community has really come out um, in support of the Ukrainian newcomers, which is excellent. And I, I wish that that was the case for all newcomers when they arrive in Saskatoon or any city in, in Canada, um, because that has made the transition really seamless, I think, for lots of families. Yeah. Having those supports, because it sounds like you, you guys do so much here initially, but then like, then then you send them off to school. And they're like, is, is it hard in a way to like, you you're often like first point of contact, but then you have to say goodbye to them a bit and then like it, it, is that hard at all I think some of the parents definitely they seem a bit anxious about you know they come here and they have a good interaction with us and then oh it's now an, a next step to go to a school and meet another another team and another support system um so I, I don't think it's difficult though because I know that they will get that good support in the schools as well yeah. is it is it hard though like personally Shauna to just see like you you're sort of okay good luck and they and out they go I think the the role is quite different than teaching exactly because you don't get time to build a real relationship with families and students. So um, in the, in this, in that sense, yeah, it's a little harder than being in the classroom where you get to know you really get to know kids and you you know can respond to the needs that arise when you spend more time with them. Here, like Travis said, it's a quick snapshot and um, ballpark, and then away they go. So yeah, how this might be really simple question but like how how much time do you actually spend with the students 
That's a great question, actually. So in, in previous years, normally a, a family would have about an hour and a half at the Newcomer Student Centre to do registration, the language assessment. But this year, with the volume of students we've had coming through, we've had to adjust our appointment times. So it depends on how many kids come to the appointment. So if there's one student, usually they're here for about an hour. Um, two to three kids, hour and a half, four plus, about two hours. Wow. Mm-hmm. So... So would that be, say, for example, like a, a family from Ukraine comes in and there's four or five kids in the family, like it's, so then it's two plus hours with that family? Could be, yes. Yeah. Wow. So it's kind of a group assessment then with all of the kids and doing the registration. Everything just takes longer because there's more paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then is there, like, is there a queue? Like, do you, can you see, like, okay, this is we've got a busy week ahead of you or is every week kind of busy? <laughs> yes, we can. And that's where we really have to give Daylene credit. Uh, who really runs the office in terms of our bookings. And in the summer, she said, you know, we're going to be busy. I can feel we're going to be busy because she was doing the bookings. And sure enough, August was very, very busy. And this year has just continued to do so. And so as a result of that, we launched a new booking system to kind of ease families' booking appointments with us so they could do it more independently if they have the technological skills to do that. Yeah. Um, so, you're, so you're meeting families in August then? Yes. So we opened, typically it was around August 15th, but okay. this past summer we opened a week early. This upcoming summer we also plan to open a week early just to deal with the high volume that we're anticipating. Wow. <laughs> you two are busy. <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask, so after you do all the assessments and and you know, you, you get to know the students a little bit and then it's like, um, okay, now we're going to, now you have to choose a school. What goes, what goes into that? Like, how do you, cause there are lots of great schools within the city. How do you know which school is, is right for them? Well, that's also a great question. And I'll let Travis finish up, but typically we encourage families to choose their neighborhood school. Um, sometimes we get into special programming or, um, you know, sometimes we'll recommend one placement versus another based on their language needs. Um, But typically it's the neighborhood school that we encourage them to go to. I would just echo that. With high school, of course, there's more choice because if you want to drive across the city, you're more than welcome to. Um, But for elementary schools, it's always your neighborhood school. Lots of families have questions about the busing as well and how they get to school. Though the Ukrainians always, they've been joking. I say, well, we have winter, you know, it's harder to get to school. And they say, oh, no, we've come from Ukraine. It's fine. So they're used to that. Other families, they might live blocks away and they expect a school bus. So yeah. Yeah. different perceptions there. Yeah. I, I was just curious about that because where I grew up in Swift Current, like it was just the one high school. Like every, everyone went there. Surrounding towns went there. And yet there's all this choice here in Saskatoon. Um, with, with When you have a situation like this where you have so many students coming from one place and and they're coming from a circumstance like, like they are in, in, in Ukraine, is, is there a sense like – is there any thinking behind, like, um, you know, we want to keep the students kind of together, like, in, in one school? Or or is is that is that even on the radar at all? Like, does that – or are there advantages or disadvantages to that? We try to give them the same opportunity that our English-speaking students would have so they could go to any school they like, typically. Um, there would be – there probably are – disadvantages to having them all in one group because then students tend to stick to their their own kind they don't necessarily meet other kids and then they're also always speaking their own language and I don't want to say that that's necessarily a bad thing because having your own language is a comfort and it's a great way for you to kind of feel like you fit in but it can 
um, cause some challenges in terms of, you know, maybe picking up language or maybe being forced to pick up language um, a little bit more quickly. Um, I think the other thing too is, I know in other jurisdictions, they do um, maybe bus kids to all, all to one school. And then you get into the idea that maybe there's a little bit of segregation of newcomers and um, there's also additional costs potentially in that scenario you know if you're if you're saying as a school division you must go to this school then how can you say that without offering transportation so so yeah it's delicate but we do try to treat our newcomers as our as english speaking students who who grew up here or who have been born here they can generally go to whatever school they need to go to thank you for answering that i know that's that's kind of an out there question but it just from our conversation yeah Yeah. but yeah very thoughtful answer thank you um (laughs) And I'm wondering too, like Travis, you spend so much time with these students when they come in and you're, you're looking for, for academics and you're looking for language um, and even some cases math. Um, but like so much of, of school is, is like the social, the social aspect as well. Like is, is that something like do you even have time to sort of assess that or does that get brought up at all? Uh, some families do have questions about like extra career and how they can get involved in the school for sure. And then sometimes that does lead to their school choice, especially for high school, thinking about what programming might be offered. So certainly a factor, but the primary focus is what kind of is their language benchmark. Yeah. 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 Um, we were talking beforehand in terms of not, not only Ukrainian students, but like you said with the numbers, it, it's just, it's a, it's a very busy year for you guys and it's been a busy couple years like can you can you give listeners a sense in terms of how um how many newcomer students are are coming here and and you know the demands that places on on the school division oh boy that's a big that's a big question i mean like travis said we're almost double um what we normally get in a school year and so i think you don't it doesn't take much of much brain power to figure out how much of a challenge that is to meet the needs in a classroom when kids are coming weekly to your to some of our larger schools they're showing up weekly in bunches um and so that's challenging for teachers um and yeah i i i mean i think you should interview a teacher but you know, be careful because they're going to be very tired. Teachers yeah. are very tired. I, I am married to a teacher. Yes. She's yeah. tired. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, and as far as the school division goes, we were able to access some mid-year funding from the ministry, um, which helped a little. But I think you can also imagine it's more difficult to place teachers mid middle of the year and to figure out staffing middle of the year than it is to just have um, enough at the get-go mm-hmm. um, and get everybody settled. Um, but again, with that continuous intake, it's, we've always, EAL teachers always have to revise their schedules and this year it's been extra challenging. Wow. Uh, yeah. Wow. What's this? And it's your first year, Travis. You're smiling. <laughs> what was your question again? <laughs> Just how busy are you tired too? <laughs> you know what? I, I like being busy. Like as a teacher, you're always busy and your mind's going in different directions. This has just been a different kind of busy in terms of more helping to run an office and making sure we're doing things in a time-efficient way and um, how we can cut ta- cut down on certain times for appointments and things like that. So just been a different way of being busy, but I, I kind of like it in that way. I, I, I like seeing that we're booked ahead. Not that it, it, it's a long time for kids to not be in school if we're booked that far ahead, but it shows me that we need to be here doing this work and to continue advocating for it as well. Yeah, that, that sort of leads into my... Um, 
my last question in terms of like what what do you what do you both find fulfilling because i know you you were teachers and in the classroom before but what what about this role do you find uh so fulfilling i was really drawn to this uh role to get to meet the the parents and the families. As a, as a classroom teacher, even in EAL, you don't always get to really connect with the families in that way and then talk about school and and have those interactions as a group with their parents. Sometimes at interviews, but often those conversations aren't always positive, right? So this is more of a, you know, welcome to our school division. So it's a different way of interacting with students and families. And that's one thing that also appealed with about this job with being at central office as opposed to being at a school is that I still get to work with kids every day. But kindergarten through grade 12, which is a big difference for me, <laughs> coming from a high school before. So, yeah. Shona, what do you love about the job? Oh, my role is quite different than Travis's, so I, I love the variety. I, I get to do all sorts of different things. Um, I'm kind of almost at arm's length now f- from the Newcomer Student Centre. I work on a different floor, and um, I guess my interest lay in helping other staff members accommodate or adapt for EAL students, being an advocate, uh, connecting with Sastoon Open Door Society, their partners, um, yeah, and just, uh, yeah, variety, nonstop. I never know what my day is going to look like. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I have one more question. Um, you, both of you have mentioned, like, the, the greater community, and, and that's one thing I, um, in doing this podcast, it's it's so clear that, you know, even though we're a big city, it's a pretty connected community and I'm just wondering with in the last year or so with so many Ukrainian students coming over like how how have you seen sort of this big city get smaller in terms of of helping out Ukrainian students? I think one thing that the government in conjunction with the city of Saskatoon and the city of Regina has done is have one-stop shops for the Ukrainian newcomer students so there was well family so there was one in July and the second one in November and those were right after flights arrived from Ukraine um, and I believe that there was another flight that just arrived in March in Regina, and I think they had a similar situation with having a one-stop shop. So that means you can register for school, you can get your cell phone, your banking set up all in one place. So a super awesome service for the Ukrainian newcomers. Again, I would love to see that offered regularly throughout the year as kind of a hub for all newcomer families, because to, as Shauna said, you know, school is one check mark on their list of things that families need to do when they arrive and to have so many of those uh, services offered in one spot so they can get lots of that done is really a great service that was well said travis <laughs> shauna's giving the thumbs up okay, that was good. that was really great um thank you both for not only um taking the time out to, to speak with me but clearly the work you're doing is is so important and and you know the obviously the the focus of this episode is on ukrainian students but I, I think everyone in our community realizes like there are so many more newcomer students coming and, and you guys are have, have laid out laid that out pretty clearly. So thank you for the work that you do and um, I hope you get a little bit of a break this summer. A wee bit. Well, we're opening August 9th, so it won't be too long of a break. <laughs> well, thank you both for the work that you do. This is episode 8, season 5 of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson, and we are about to meet the final guest in this special episode, featuring people who have been helping Ukrainian newcomers settle in the community this past year. Listen to YXE Underground wherever you find your favorite podcasts, and don't forget to leave a 5-star review if you like what you hear.
As you know, the title of this podcast is YXE Underground, which means the focus is on people making a difference here in Saskatoon. But in doing research for this episode, I was introduced to a woman in Rostron, Saskatchewan, who is doing such amazing work to bring Ukrainian newcomers safely to our province that I just had to meet her. And after spending an afternoon with her at her Rostron home, it became clear that she needed to be a part of this episode. Plus, Rostron is just a half hour north of Saskatoon, so we'll make an exception this time. Linda Rudicek is her name, and she is a third-generation Ukrainian who worked as a social worker for years in Weyburn, Saskatchewan, before retiring with her family in Rostron. Linda's Ukrainian roots run deep. When she greeted me at the door, the colors of the Ukrainian flag were pinned to her shirt, and she has felt a lot of emotions since the war started. What amazes me about Linda is how she has channeled those emotions to do so much good in bringing Ukrainian families to Rostron, which, as you are about to hear, is not an easy endeavor. There will be moments in our conversation where you'll just shake your head and wonder, how is she doing all this? Linda and I sat down at her kitchen table in Rostron while her dog, who makes an appearance about halfway through our conversation, slept in the living room. I started by asking what was going through her mind when the war in Ukraine started last year. I'm a, I'm a crier, and so I, excuse me if I cry a little bit. I, I, we'll see today, but um, it, I it was overwhelming. I'm all my grandparents came from Ukraine, um, we're, so we're third generation Canadians. But um, Ukrainian has is it's. Being Ukrainian has sort of been one of my, um, my, my thing, things that I'm most proud of. We, we grew up in a home where the traditions were very strong. Our, our faith, the Ukrainian Orthodox, was very strong and uh, carried it through, throughout life. I lived in a Ukrainian residence at university. I, you know, it's just everything, everything is Ukrainian. And then my children are, danced all the years and we did a lot of Ukrainian uh, traditional cultural things in Weyburn and we've continued to do that and now my great great my grandchildren they identify as Ukrainian which they're not full full blood Ukrainian but if you ask them what they are they're Ukrainian so it's really important and it was overwhelming and I just I think I think honestly I think my babas and my gidos and my mom and dad were working through, through myself. In that I saw it myself, and uh, um, we're just urging, urging that we have to do something. I I couldn't watch the news. I it it got too much. Like right right from the beginning, I couldn't watch what was happening, when uh, when the bombs were falling and the kids were dying, and and uh, and so anyway, we did our first you know fundraisers for humanitarian efforts there, and then of course things weren't slowing down at all like we hoped. And uh, then we decided that, I decided um, to get a group together in Rossern to to do something that we can to, to move some Ukrainians here. Well, you were telling me before there was a, there was a fundraiser you did um, pretty soon after the war started and it, um, it, it really, it, it, <laughs> It got big, didn't it? <laughs> it got it. It, was, it became a monster on steroids, and there was just two of us. My sister and I were doing it, and my sister lives here as well. And uh, people, people just jumped. Like people were just contacting us out of nowhere. Like once it kind of got on, on Facebook through Facebook, 
contacting us and could they donate something? Could they do donate something for auction? Could they do then not only that and then big bids for <laughs> little things, but actually it wasn't really little things, they were beautiful things. And then lots of don then people said, I just wanna donate. So they sent us money. So yeah, we uh we raised thirty five thousand in a week. Yeah. What what does that like at the at the time, like what did that I don't know if teach you is the right word or what what, what did that show you in terms of like you know the the support that was out there for Ukrainians. Well, it was it was it was overwhelming because uh, you know being a Ukrainian was not in fashion. Yeah, when my mom and dad were growing up, certainly it was you were you know uh, they were called names and they were they were uh, not treated well uh, as a, as a group and uh, so we were taught that we have to we have to you know come out of this. Idea of of Anglo-Saxon people of being garlic snapping Galicians, and uh, and I think it wasn't only in my family because all of my all of my friends and and uh, we were taught that we had to be educated, like highly educated, and we had to do build our communities, and um, and so like people Ukrainians were downtrodden. In you know, a little bit before my time, but my time too. Like we were called names inside, you know, by the Anglo-Saxon community sometimes. Um, and so now, when this happened, and we are living in a primarily Mennonite community, a beautiful Mennonite community, and um, we were overwhelmed. We were completely overwhelmed by people were just reaching, like just reaching out like obviously it really it really caught people's attention because i mean there's always some kind of tragedy happening so and this one really all you have to do is is post a picture of some child being lifted off the streets in in ukraine and there'd be a few more messages um of of help what can we do to help yeah you, you mentioned people reaching out in this community i'm, I'm so curious for you because you're here in Rostron, and yet you are reaching out to newcomer families in Saskatoon. Um, Linda, can you explain how, like, maybe when when that started, and maybe why you wanted to go, um, you know, from a Facebook fundraiser that did very very well mm -hmm. to helping families that were coming over from Ukraine? Okay, we um, like I like I, I my personality is I, I guess I'm a little bit uh, um, out there. And <laughs> talked to lots of people, and uh, so we had done a bunch of work around the food bank, and we again that was like a miracle how much money we were able to raise to to create this food bank, and so actually I recruited I I went to certain people that I know very well who are workers, and. Um, that's the way I've operated all my life. I've surrounded myself by earth angels, and uh, totally. And so we developed a committee, a community committee, a really diverse committee of um, young people, not very many elderly, but young people who are workers and just get out there and do things. And so we decided um, that, yes, we would like to help with placement of people. Now we have... 
no housing in Weber, in uh, Weyburn, see, Weyburn, I always go back to Weyburn. We got a ton of support from Weyburn people because of connections there. Um, there's no housing here. That is a fact of life in Rosser. Um, but the, our first meeting of the people that we recruited to be on this committee, I recruited, of course, the manager of Sask Housing to be on our committee, and he said, you know, that was our first thing is we're, 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 we want to bring somebody here, but well, where are we going to put them? Because there's no rental, there's no, no not, there's nothing. And he said, you know what, anyway, he said, you guys, a house has come available. Um, it, it was just like a miracle from heaven, this house came available in housing, like a three-bedroom home, um, came available that day. And you and the provincial government had set a policy. I don't know how many people in the world know it, but we knew it because of Kevin, um, that the Ukrainian displaced people had the first dibs on these on Sask housing. So whoever was on the waiting list before the displaced people from Ukraine went up to the top, and so it, this house was there for us. Um, so our committee decided that we could, would sponsor two two families to come that's what we had decided um and then so we had to fundraise that's huge it, it's it's it was a lot of money we had to fundraise quickly and within a month um within a month we had about forty thousand dollars raised um in cash <laughs> may, may i ask I, this might seem like a silly question but um how like how much does it cost to sponsor a family to come to a place like rostern it cost us about twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars because what our our um, our commitment to them was for that we would support them totally for three months totally, and then you know at the end hopefully of three months that they would have employment and be able to support themselves, um, and so yeah it's it's about twenty to twenty-five thousand per per family so. So we're, we had to do a, a lot of fundraising. And we ended up not, we decided on two families. We ended up bringing three at various stages of our, of our process. But the first family, <laughs> the first family, and, and it was, I was working, I, I shouldn't say I, it's we, but I'm, I was the chair of the group. Um, Working through Ukrainian Congress of Canada again, it's it's the it was the the agency that the government's um, government kind of appointed as as the placement people in in Saskatchewan, which was very good. I know I know the work of them and of them, the group, and they're extremely good. And so they were given money to hire extra staff and whatnot. So that's who we contacted to say we're we're interested. And uh, let us know when when somebody comes available. So I first of all got a le I got a email uh, from uh, UCC and said we have a family Linda, and then the dad immediately e emailed me, and it was mom and a dad, and uh, six children, and she was pregnant. <laughs> like whoa, okay, and they were from. Um, Eastern Ukraine, Eastern Ukraine, so right by the Russian border. So they were like they were bombed. Like and to hear the stories now, it just breaks your breaks your heart what they lived through. 
Um, so that was our first family. And we didn't have, this house was uh, not quite in, in, like it was okay, like it's a nice house, but it wasn't looked after very well. And so uh, we had to do major renovations, our painting and like lots of renovations to, to make it nice. And it was our, um, our, our goal was that they were not going to be using, having used, like used beds, like it was brand new beds for everybody. We just, few you have, get the heebie-jeebies from you, <laughs> getting used beds and stuff. So that was one of our things and that they would have good, good furniture and good, like sets of dishes and set, you know, new sets of pots and news, not, not just sort of thrift store stuff. Yeah, it was important for us. So anyway, we um, just with volunteers, with our committee and volunteers, with our students from Rostron Junior College, we got them involved with us. Uh, one day we'll do a big work B2. So within about a week, we had that house ready to 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 go. Cause when did that happen, Linda? That was in May. Because we wow. they were coming within four days. We had four days to get ready and so we weren't going to have those ready in four days uh so we there's a little cottage here our b&b cottage that we rented for four nights until we got the house ready and we wouldn't let them go to the new house and um and they stayed in that cottage and then we moved them we had a big production of moving them all over um but yeah getting to the airport uh we we went to the airport um is like a zoo, a zoo today. It's not usually like this. So anyway, we got uh, several of our committee. They were coming in on uh, Sunday night to the airport, and uh, and before this, we were just emailing, like the dad and myself were e- emailing. He could speak a little bit of English, thank God, <laughs> and. Uh, my Ukrainian is is okay, is not very okay, <laughs> but it sure got better fast. Um, so we went and we had flags and and uh, all we, and you know, they came through the door. I mean, you got a family of this many people with a pregnant mom, and the kids, the twins are two, five, nine, fourteen, eighteen, pregnant mom and dad. And we all we did was start to cry. <laughs> Everybody. And this was at the airport. Mm-hmm. We just started to, you know, you know, the doors open yeah, there, and you, yeah. you know, well, you know, it's them. <laughs> well, it's pretty much off, last off the plane. And some people on the plane had noticed uh, from the plane, you know, because they said, "There's are you waiting for your family for a family from Ukraine?" We said, "Yes." Oh, they're so nice. And so a lot of these people had stayed to watch. It's what they were just, it was really like these strangers had just stayed to watch this interaction. And and then one woman, as she went running to the car, she said, just wait, I got, I don't know who in the hell she was or where she came from, but they had come off the plane. And she said, I got to go get to the car. So she brought these set of earrings, these beautiful earrings for the nine-year-old. She said, I want to give this to the to this little girl here. And, and, uh, and she, they were crying and everybody's bawling and, uh, so we we had rented, not rented, we had uh, gotten, RJC has these 14 passenger vans to haul their kids around to things, so they lent us the van, and 
So we got everybody, but they came with, they came with um, backpacks. That's all. No, nothing else. Nothing. At, at the airport, Linda, like, was, was, this, was this overwhelming for you? Because I'm trying to picture, like, this is in May. And so, like, um, February, March, April. So literally, like, four months after the war started, you're doing this. You know, five, six months ago, I'm sure this was the last thing on your mind that you would be doing and yet you're there at the airport and like did, did you did like did you have a moment to sort of step back and think like oh my gosh like look at what we're doing or or is it is there too much happening in that moment in that moment there's just too much happening too much emotion yeah. uh we were just i think there was about five of us from our committee who had gone that night that could go that night and uh we were just all sort of giddy actually and just so excited to to see actually see because um, we had one picture from the email of them, and that's that's all we knew. And uh, and they were just beautiful, like they were just so beautiful. They, you know, just so beautiful. Like I'm a very handsome dad, and, and then these all these kids and, and these twins, and and uh, overwhelmed. And then we sang the Ukrainian anthem for them. We and then they sang too, <laughs> and uh, of course everybody's watching. There's lots of noise there, um, and then. So it was just, it was just so emotional, so emotional. And you just think, oh, you poor people, you're coming. You are coming. You've come across the world with a knapsack on your back. That's all you have. Nicely dressed, nicely, cleanly dressed. Um, it was just, yeah, it was just, it was kind of, it was a surreal moment, really. Was, yeah. May, may I ask, how are, how are they doing? Oh, they're doing beautifully they live, just live across the field from us here um they love the house um they, and she doesn't speak any english he spoke english he's a he was a seaman he was he is a seaman uh, and he was working off the coast of singapore when the bombs started flying yeah because he goes for about two months at a time and he's a uh, first mate on these ships that um, do uh, oil oil um, checking for oil rigs and stuff under the sea so off among oh oh <laughs> it's just like huh <laughs> so, first, thank god he can speak a little english to tell us but he speaks english because he says there's it's international people on the boats uh mom mama and the kids spoke no english nothing nothing so uh, it was all, and he could he could interpret a little bit, but we try, you know, we are Ukrainian and they're Russified Ukrainian because they were close to Russian border. She particularly spoke a lot of, she speaks a lot of a Russian mix and stuff, but they are just, they are so happy. They, they love the small town. They wanted to come in this area. They wanted a small town. Um, um, we got the kids involved right away with in some, you know, well, we could, didn't, couldn't send them to school because it was already, they said it was too late for them to start. But uh, we got, the, you know, in the law library program and any kind of little programs we could get the kids into. Um, the boy, the 16-year-old, the we got him into the private school, our Rogers, Rogers Junior College. I don't know if you know anything about RGC, but it's... it's it's an amazing private school, amazing. And uh, 
he doesn't like school. He never likes school from the moment he that's what they said. Vlad Vlad doesn't like school. Uh he hates school. And we took him for a tour and uh took them all for a tour and uh he absolutely adores school. It's just a, that kind of school. The two girls are in community school, right? And one's in kindergarten, one's in grade four. They're Ukrainian dancing. They came, they never did Ukrainian dancing in their lives. <laughs> they came here and they're in Ukrainian dancing. <laughs> and the twins are uh, are active little two and three year olds, <laughs> cute as buttons. Uh, Mama lost baby um, uh, three weeks after they got here. Um, that was kind of was a really hard thing to go through. Um, she'd never had it had a miscarriage before, but I think. The, just everything I it was just too much and and uh, the trip and so that for me it was it was because uh, I've lost five babies in my life and so I w walked with them through the process through the process right from the beginning so thank God I had that because I was able to it, you didn't even need language but I was in the hospital with them and when 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 it all happened and and uh, and then we um we have a we have a part of our we have a, a memorial cemetery for children uh, for children who were not born, so through miscarriage, through stillbirth, or through abortion, um, and it's a set aside in, in a grove of trees, and it's a rose garden memorial site, and it was a bench, and you know, we just set that up about two years ago, and uh, all our, our all our babies are are resting there because we never did sort of finish it up and it, it's a hard it's a hard thing to explain so anyway so we have their little uh their little katya we, we said what would you name your baby and they said katya and so then we had a little ceremony and and uh, blessing and so that they could lay their baby to rest here and so um yeah it was um it was very well, and then you know a bunch of the committee came for that so it was very emotional and yeah, so that's that's one family, and they're and they're happy. But he goes; he's still continuing to go. Cause he makes very good money uh, with this sailing. We laugh at him; he's the only sail seaman in in Saskatchewan. And then we told we told him to go check out the ferry system here. <laughs> and the, have you been? Have you been to the ferry system? He went to Saint Laurent first, and you know if that boat goes once a day, it's a, it's a little different than the high seas yeah, of like the South yes. Pacific and stuff. <laughs> Just a bit, Linda. You're laughing at him, yeah. Like it's, but it's it's clear, and like you said, this is just one family. But like you've made, you've made, and th thank you for sharing so much. Like it's, you have such a bond with this family, and and like is it. Like this is, this is hard. This is this is hard work that you're that you're doing, and I know you're not alone in doing it here. But but it's I get the impression that you're one of the point people for doing yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. So so um, so why like why is this so important to you, Linda? Well, I can't stand this. Never have been able to stand people suffering, going without, uh, and you know you can't save the whole world. You know, learn that, you know, pretty clearly in my career. Um, but so you 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 do what you can with with what you got, and it's just 
yeah, they're, I mean, it's just that Ukrainian whatever coming out, and and I don't, you know, I've been involved with uh, with the people from Burma, Burma, who came, they're the refugees from Burma, um, and settling them here because um, we have a lot of Burmese here. Um, the churches were that was a thing for a while, um, but it's not the same. It's, I mean, I those I love them. Dearly, they can't speak English. Still, they're still they've been here ten years, and they're still it's a different, it's a whole different world. Um, these these folks, they they want to be here. Um, they're just thankful beyond beyond belief. They're humble beyond belief. Like I think this first family, I think were well off um, where they came from because he makes really good money. Um, and had a really be- you know beautiful home and and um, and they're just humble and humble and thankful and we are totally totally joined like yeah they she she tells me Ukraine you're like my mama like my my, my Ukraine Canadian mama how does that make you feel that just makes me feel wonderful yeah and i'm trying to get the kids to call me baba cuz the last Ukrainian that's a we call you uh your grandma here but they have a different word for it there baba is not a is not uh, the nicest word in ukraine they call babusia more so and so and here i'm baba i'm proud to be baba so anyway they don't call me they just oh. They just talk to me, yeah. you know, or just talk or look. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, you, Linda, you've been very generous with your time, and you've invited me to your home mm-hmm. out here in Roston. So, th- th- thank you for all this. I'm um, before I let you go, though. I I want to know, like, it's it's like you're you're still doing work. Like, what what kind of how how are you still helping families? And it's clear, like, you have connections with the families here. But how are you still involved with with this ever because unfortunately the war is still happening and so it's happening yeah. and um oksana and pavlo that's the mom and dad uh they just we because you know, we visit and all the all the community honestly they took them each one each each person took this family as as their own too so they would invite them up to the farms uh, they got to go harvesting they did the whole harvesting with with one family, one family got uh, gave them their cabin at Emma Lake uh, for a week to uh, to take their kids out, and so people have been they've taken them in. Um, but we just had a visit here on Friday, and they're saying that the Europeans and the, like people from Poland and like who have been just so so good to our people, and they're not being that way anymore they, they've had enough they've given a, they feel they've given enough so they're not that welcome in in the european nations now so like that then it just makes me when i see somebody come up on facebook of another family it just makes me <laughs> makes me crazy because i just want and and you know and i'm and i'm surrounded by this group of angels and we're all of the same like we're we're just about out of money, <laughs> we spent all our money, and I re- fundraising is not that easy, and and we just want to take another family, but we we know we can't. We had we have two, and the second one was a, a soldier, a border guard. She's twenty eight year old woman. She's pregnant. She was pregnant. She was 
34 weeks pregnant. And again, we had one week to get ready for her to come. Um, her partner had to stay there to fight. He was fighting, but she was able because she wanted to have the baby here because they were bombing hospitals and stuff. So uh, she she came and she lives with us for uh, a little over a week. Uh, with her, we decided to host her, have somebody that she could live with until the baby was born. It's different than setting her up in her own house because it's too much. Yeah. So she stayed with us for a while, and then we, uh, we had a permanent host. Um, and then she's now on her own. We Again, we did a, did a birth. It had to be the, the babas in the labor room with this little thing. She's 28 years old, and she looks like she's 14, and she's this big with this little basketball baby. And <laughs> <laughs> but uh, she's on her own now, and um, Rosti is Rosti is our our baby. Everybody's be on the committee. They're, everybody has to babysit him and fight over him, and yeah, it's just it's unreal. And he's ours, like he's ours, she's ours, you know, just like family. Yeah. Thank you for yeah. no, for not only inviting me and 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 sharing your story, but clearly for the work that you and, and your and your colleagues are, are, are doing. And I and I see the Ukrainian colors like right oh, over yeah. your heart. So yeah. It's torn. Ukrainian is Ukraine is torn right now, but it's gonna come back together. And uh, yeah. We've had yeah, people wear them around. It's just still lots of people, you know, but the, now it's getting a little bit there's a little more apathy because people are so used to already like it's not ending and it's not ending and and people are getting either getting really really riled up or a little bit apathetic and watching other tragedies and but this one still is on 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 uh, on people's heads yeah. we've had a couple of prayer services not that i'm the most religious person in the world but um uh, prayer services for, for for ukraine and we're having one on the 20th and we're um, it's a little bit different because there's no Orthodox Church. This is a church town. There's every kind of church you can imagine, <laughs> and some, um, but no Orthodox Church, Ukrainian Orthodox. And so we're having the two Orthodox priests from Saskatoon coming to do a um, prayer service in the Orthodox tradition, because it's different mm -hmm. than Catholic or Mennonite or. And everybody will get together, and it'll be everybody getting together. It doesn't matter what religion they're from, or no. Yeah, we had one and it was beautiful, and this one will be too. Yeah. Pray for them. So, mm -hmm. Linda, thank you. You're welcome. So welcome. I love to. I could talk all day, but to... <laughs> that's enough. <laughs>
I want to thank Saskatoon's Danger Dynamite for maintaining the website and to my cousin Andrew Dixon for providing the original theme music. Before I go, I would like to acknowledge that these interviews were conducted on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. YXE Underground is a production of the Saltammer Production Company. My name is Eric Anderson. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.